The Higher Side Chats doesn't start with underwear ads or guilt-tripping donation pleas, nor would I ever commit the cardinal sin of podcasting and interrupt the flow mid-show to show you an unrelated sponsor. But the free first-hour episodes do have to start with a little PSA before we get into it to ever so quickly remind slash inform listeners both old slash new that you're about to get into what I'm sure is a great first hour of a high-level interview, but that means you're missing half the show. If you like what we do around here, get yourself a THC Plus membership and listen to the full two-hour interviews as they were really designed to be and as I know you would enjoy them most. Give a little and actually get a little more in return of the thing you're actually engaging with. Five episodes every month, plus forum access, community comments, downloads to all the closing cover songs, a plus show RSS feed to use with any private RSS feed supported app, and the occasional joint session bonus shows, which include the messages you might leave me about your own theories, experiences, or otherworldly encounters at thehiresidechats.com slash voicemail. If you're not quite sure, if you just want to feel us out, or if you're only here for this particular episode, no worries. New first-time subscribers get a seven-day free trial when you sign up at thehiresidechats.com. Cancel anytime. Try it out, because it's so important to feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go. And with that said, let's get on with it already, huh? In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. Brace yourselves once again, Higher Side Chatters. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood. And when you see the full court press and complete coordination of government, media, and corporate-controlled everything to craft the narratives around pretty much any and all occurrences that just a little digging often shows are incorrect, omitting major important facts, or even sometimes a complete 180 of the truth, it's no wonder that critical thinkers, rebel scholars, and counterculture armchair journalists are combing the archives of the human story and holding pretty much everything up into the light to give it a more careful second look. From the timeline of history to the Earth and space itself, many people have been lied to so often by this capstone cabal and their culture creation cronies that they'd rather throw it all out than be blindsided by another falsified fiction that they took as fact. And I can't say I blame them. And one of the major issues at the crossroads of both official history and what we know about space is the infamous manned moon missions. Events that many Americans grip onto tighter than their TV remote controls. But the further we get from the 1960s, the more obvious it seems that they probably never happened. And what the world was really shown was a soundstage simulation. And with us today is a guy who's been dedicated to this very issue for many years, Bart Sabrell. Bart is a filmmaker and the man behind the very popular documentary A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Moon, as well as Astronauts Gone Wild, where he confronts many of the so-called moonwalkers and asks them to swear on the Bible that it happened as we're told it did. And needless to say, it didn't go well. He also has a new book out called Moon Man, the true story of a filmmaker on the CIA hit list that reveals a lot of new information, not only about the Apollo missions, but also the wild ride it's been to be investigating such a highly charged topic, showing the proof to major studio executives, and being seriously threatened along the way. 
He's been punched by Buzz Aldrin, kicked by Edgar Mitchell, and mocked by many who just can't see past their patriotic pride. The moon landing lampooner, Apollo mission truth teller, and NASA fraud exposing filmmaker extraordinaire, Bart, welcome to the higher side. Well, thank you, Greg. How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing all right, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad, considering. Yeah, troubled times and all that, but mm. man, this is going to be great. Been a fan of your work for some time, have seen what I think I need to see to conclude that the Apollo moon footage is less than genuine, but I still get so much pushback on this issue, so having you here to break it down is a real treat, and we were all believers once, right? We understand it's something that a lot of Americans want to have happened, but the more you look at it, the less likely that seems. And talk to us about your process of going from someone who had the pictures on your wall to the guy who made one of the most popular and well-known moon landing hoax documentaries. Well, I, like you said, believe that the moon landing's real for quite a while. I guess people had no reason to doubt it. You know, you just assume the government's telling the truth. Of course. And I was allegedly four years old at the time, so I was asleep in bed. However, my father was an officer in the United States Air Force, and he received kind of a VIP package of 9 by 12 color prints from Apollo 11, the first alleged mission to the moon. He gave them to me as a cherished gift, and I had them up on my bedroom wall from that day forward every day for 10 years before I questioned the authenticity of them. So when I was 14, I saw a television program that had on it William Casing, who worked for Apollo as a contractor for Rocketdyne with top security clearance, who said we didn't go to the moon. And I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And I guess it was good that the idea caught me as an open-minded 14-year-old. Went back and looked at the pictures that I had seen 3,650 times before. And I guess my eyes were wide shut. There were hidden signatures of the fraud right there. One example, the most famous picture of allegedly Buzz Aldrin, of course, he can't see their faces. He has his arm bent at about 90 degrees. Now, the spacesuits now, because of the pressurization problem, not having mobility in the wrist and the elbow, they now have kind of metal joints there that are airtight, but they're metal joints. Otherwise, it's very difficult to bend your arm at, of course, 90 degrees, which it is in the picture. Mm -hmm. And the thing's supposed to be inflated with pressurized air, which it would have to be if it was on the moon, but which would be really difficult to do on Earth. And uh, I guess maybe they should have run a hose out of the back or something. But <laughs> they, they, I guess they had the cooling units removed so they wouldn't fall over backwards when they turned up the air conditioning and... There's wrinkles in something that's supposed to be pressurized like a balloon. Now, how many wrinkles are in a balloon, right? Not many. And then back in the original pictures, the soil of the alleged lunar surface and the background landscapes were very different colors. And the, if you can get a hard copy from a library or online, an actual publication from 1970, 69, something like that, 71, you'll see the soil is this very caramel brown color and the backdrop is kind of a grayish blue. And you can see pretty much where the fake landscape begins and where the real dirt is. And so they later color corrected that. 
now the soil is blue-gray and the background is blue-gray. The Chinese probes that were unmanned that went up to the moon recently, and I believe they did go there for a number of reasons, they show the soil as being a caramel brown, you know. So, (laughs) that you know, 10 years go by and I start thinking about it in the back of my mind and I had become a filmmaker. And when I was 24 years old, 10 years after that, I was editing a program for the guy who produced the program that I had seen with William Casey on it saying we didn't go to the moon. And I'm like, hey, you know, it's kind of interesting. Can you put me in touch with the guy? And they give me the San Francisco production office. And I think they said, had I called a day or two later, they wouldn't be able to tell me his name because they delete all 10-year old archives every 10 years. So he finds out I'm a filmmaker. He suggests I do a film about it. And I thought about that for about six months. You know, the shadows intersect and the background and the foreground look different and all sorts of strange things. And I thought, you know, there was at least a one out of four chance that the moon missions were fake. And I thought that's kind of a sobering possibility, right? If the cops show up and say one of your four neighbors might be a murderer, I think it's a highly significant percentage. And so a one out of four chance that the government lied, you know, about the greatest event in all time, embezzled money, murdered people to keep it a secret. Oh, that's, you know, could have happened. So I turned down the project for fear of my life. (laughs) I thought if they didn't go to the moon and I start overturning these rocks, you know, could be dangerous. And I wanted to have a wife and family someday. So I turned down the project. And another five years go by and another client says they'll get a famous script of mine to a Hollywood producer. If I do a favor for them, I say, well, what's that favor? They say, read the Bible. So. It was June 3rd, 1989, the day the guy stood in front of the tanks in China. And I got a one-year Bible, started June 3rd in the middle of the Bible. And over the next four years, I'm sorry, five years, I read the Bible five times from cover to cover. Now, I wasn't a, a Christian. However, I did believe in a God, a judgment for how we live here, and right and wrong. and that I'm going to die anyway. So if I were going to die, I might as well die for a just cause because the way I figured it, Greg, is if they could go to the moon, that would have a certain significance historically to mankind, a certain level of importance. However, if they did not go and embezzled an equivalent of $200 billion, murdered people to keep it a secret, lied to the encyclopedias, lied to colleges, printed coins of them, held ticker tape parades for them and gave them medals of honor for lying. If that's true, if that's the case, I realize that that's actually more profound historically than if they had actually gone. It's a much more compelling moment in history for them to have the audacity, arrogance, pride, and juvenility to have faked it. If that's true, that's highly much more significant than if they had actually gone. And so I realized if that is the case, that's an important truth that mankind needs to know. Otherwise, we can't improve. You know, it's like painting over mold and keep painting over it. And eventually, you know, you're going to get sick from it. And you could tear down the walls or even tear down the house, you know, to get rid of the mold. And we're at that stage. If the government doesn't 
come clean or confess or change, which they're not likely to do at all, then, you know, we're in serious, we're already in serious trouble. (laughs) And so I changed my mind. I got financing, believe it or not, from a board member of an aerospace company that builds rockets for NASA, who knows they didn't go to the moon. He's the millionaire who gave us a million dollars to produce if anything happened on the way to the moon and astronauts gone wild. And I was still trying to give them the benefit of the doubt. You know, they probably did go, but there's so much odd about it. You know, the administrator resigned days before the first mission. The crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon, according to the dead man's widow and son, who's a 747 pilot, they were killed by the CIA. The crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon, not my opinion, their opinion. Hmm. Interviewed them for hours and hours. They asked me not to put it in the film, so I didn't. And now now that Betty Grissom is deceased, I'm putting it in the book, Moon Man. Which, oh yeah, is at Sabrell. <laughs> Sabrell.com. S-I-B-R-E-L.com. Always be closing. <laughs> <laughs> and I must have been halfway in the film. A funny thing. I think up to seven years to make it. Just to edit the 47-minute film, I spent two to 4,000 hours editing the movie together. Impressive. 40 hours a week for up to two years just to edit it as good as I could. And then toward the end of the project, I'm trying to scrounge up footage that I don't have. And with nonlinear editing, I could, you know, go back and put it in and I can't find the shot that I want. And I go through the last tapes, which had been redundant and I stopped going through them, but find some unedited reel of footage of a fake one foot model of the earth that they're pretending is floating in space as if they're halfway to the moon right? with a track of audio of the CIA telling them how to do it. It's unbelievable. So I'm looking at this footage and it says at the beginning of it, do not show to the public. Like, oh, this would be interesting. I hit fast forward. And instead of seeing edits, I see the same shot for 20 minutes, a little blue ball with black around it, bouncing around at 20 times normal speed. I'd say, well, let me just, you know, listen to this from the top. And it's like the screen is mostly black with the maybe grapefruit-sized ball in the middle that looks like the Earth. And this is allegedly, according to their own description of part of the unedited footage they intended to be broadcast, there's only one window that faces the Earth, and we can't even look out of it because the TV camera is blocking it. Because you'd have to have the lens of the TV camera up against the glass to shoot the tiny Earth far away, like they're claiming this footage is. NASA says, Goldstone says the TV picture looks great. The video footage is not even going live to NASA. They can't even see it. And the audio has a certain kind of EQ to it, kind of like talking through a walkie-talkie type of sound. And after they say, you know, the Goldstone says the TV picture looks great, there's dead air for one, two, three, four seconds, and then we hear... Someone, not the astronauts, which has an EQ sound also, not NASA, which has an EQ walkie-talkie sound. We hear a third party crystal clear on top of a microphone, wherever this is being recorded, and the person says, talk. And then Neil Armstrong starts speaking. So at first I thought, well, he wasn't paying attention. They're like reminding him, pay attention. It's the CIA or something in a third channel off audio. 
And then I realized, well, no, he's still in Earth orbit. I mean, they they basically went up in Earth orbit so they could have eyewitnesses of them going up and real zero gravity footage of the peanut butter sandwich floating by. And they could really splash down, but they never left Earth orbit. This tape proves it because they're faking being halfway to the moon, which I'll tell you is a forgery, which means they can't go halfway. And the CIA was telling them because they're still in Earth orbit and they're supposed to be halfway to the moon, they have to fake a radio delay. Because if they're really 130,000 miles out, like they claim for the part they intended to broadcast on the tape, then it would take a couple of seconds for the signal to come out and a couple to come back and actually much longer than four seconds. Because today, just talking from CNN and Atlanta to Iraq, you know, just between those two rooms, you know, there's a delay. No, actually, if they're really in Iraq, it's about a two, three second delay with the best latest satellite technology. So you can imagine go through AT&T phone lines and back and forth. The thing, you probably would have six, eight second delay or something. But in any case, the talk was the estimate of a four-second delay, and they were basically telling him, don't speak, because it'll give away that you're really close to the Earth. If they ask you a question and you answer immediately, that means you're nearby. Mm -hmm. But you're claiming to be halfway to the moon, so don't talk until we tell you to. And that's why the guy says talk, and then Neil Armstrong you know, immediately answers NASA. So they're faking a radio delay. That's on the tape, too. And because it's unedited, the lights come up, and you see it's a one-foot model using the window of the spacecraft in Earth orbit. And they're 100% faking being halfway to the moon, which even my greatest critics admit. They admit they're faking being halfway to the moon because it's so undeniable. So people, my greatest critics, who will never give up that they, you know, went to the moon. I mean, you could have a guy on the moon take off his helmet and eat a sandwich, and they say, well, that was some ice crystal bubble that fell from a comet. You know, they'd come up with an excuse for something. So they admit that this is fake footage, and their explanation is that they're they're just rehearsing for an upcoming telecast. I'm thinking, well, I mean, if each minute is about a million dollars and each ounce is about a million dollars, I don't think you need to bring up a fake model of the Earth and all go to this rigmarole when the real Earth is out the window. So you would just rehearse with the real Earth out the window. You wouldn't need to make a fake Earth, which my critics admit they're doing. They're making a one-foot fake model. They admit it, and they still say we went to the moon anyway. And then, you know, shadows that intersect that should be parallel and the weird behavior of the astronauts. And then, you know, mainly this footage of them faking being halfway to the moon right in front of your eyes. And then the segment calling in from 130,000 miles out, that actually appears in NASA documentaries as part of the authentic record going to the moon. (laughs) You follow that? So the part that the critic acknowledges as a fake Earth rehearsal, it's actually in the NASA record as being genuine. It's the exact same shot, same audio, same moment in time. Here's the unedited version, and here's the edited version. And they're claiming they're halfway to the moon, and every NASA record with this exact same footage. So what can you do? And then as I'm finishing up the movie, and it's been out for 20 years, did a bunch of you know interviews during the 50th anniversary, someone contacted me who was there when they faked the filming of Apollo 11 which you have to buy the 
copy of the book Moon Man at Sabrell.com to find out. But he was there when they filmed it in 1968 at a military base here in the United States, stood beside President Johnson holding TV cables while they filmed it. And he gave us also a list of 15 people who were there at the time as VIP eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. One yes, of which, that is a, yeah. a really great overview of so many things and a lot of elements you touched on. I hope we have time to dig deeper into, but just for people who don't have this in the forefront of their mind, when we say that the astronauts are in low Earth orbit versus going to the moon, I mean, that is a massive, massive difference, right? We also need to talk about the Van Allen radiation belt. But the moon is said to be 250,000 miles away, roughly. Obviously, it changes from time to time. But low Earth orbit, or this area where we think that they can get to, is how many miles out? The space station is at approximately 250 miles above the Earth. So just pick a city that's 250 miles away from you, make that vertical going up to the sky, and that's the farthest NASA can send people from Earth today with 50 years better technology. So what they're claiming, seeing how 250 miles, which is all that they can do today, is one thousandth the distance to the moon. So what they're really claiming is that they had a thousand times better technology in 1969 than they do today. Because if you could go to the moon on the first attempt with one millionth the computing power of a cell phone, they would have been on Mars 10 years later. We'd have astronauts in another solar system by now and there'd be bases all over the moon. It's the only time in world history that a technological milestone could not even be repeated 50 years later when it should be a thousand times better. Mm -hmm. The atomic bomb went off for the first time in 1945, and 10 years later, they were 1,000 times more powerful. When Lindbergh flew across the Atlantic in 1927, 10 years later, thousands of aircraft were flying over the Atlantic 100 times more complicated. Elon Musk, just over the last couple of years, blew up five rockets trying to land vertically. And he had six computers on each, you know, around that rocket. It had six engines, I think. And each engine had a supercomputer synchronizing with the other supercomputers. And he's trying to land a rocket vertically. And it blew up five times in a row before he got it on the sixth try. So how could they land a rocket vertically on the moon six times with one millionth of computing power of a cell phone when they take six attempts to do it with one million times the computing power? That's an interesting riddle. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. And just to uh, talk about a few of the other issues with that footage, of course, there's no burn crater under where the lunar module was supposed to have landed. You don't see any stars. There's the intersecting shadows you mentioned, which su suggests a soundstage with electrical lighting rather than one light source, which would have been the sun. They took three vehicles that also look like they're made out of tinfoil and popsicle sticks, but they didn't take a telescope. That's interesting. Uh, the flag is waving. We've also seen the, the walking on the moon. It really is just slow-mo footage. When you speed it up a little bit, it's just like regular walking. So this idea that they were trying to simulate less gravity by just slowing the footage down, I mean, that seems pretty clear. The fake moon rocks, 
That's an interesting side note to it. And of course, the deleted data. Where the hell is all this data? It's like they had to destroy it because in today's world, we'd obviously have people combing through that for all the little details and there'd be so many holes in it that they were just like, get rid of it. Get rid of it like it's the wreckage at ground zero on 9-11. Get this stuff out of here. We can't have people combing through it. And those are just some of the things. Of course, you've talked about these things and more, but there's a pretty long list of discrepancies and holes, right? Yeah, I mean, the you can prove it basically, I guess, three ways. Four ways, actually. You have the footage of them faking being halfway to the moon which the critics admit is fake footage, and yet NASA uses it in their documentaries as authentic. You have two shadows five feet apart intersecting at 90 degrees, you know, when parallel shadows should be the case in sunlight. I mean, just go outside on a sunny day, stand next to a friend, no matter where you are, where the tree is, the shadows will run parallel. So if they're intersecting at 90 degrees, and a picture from the last mission to the moon, Apollo 17, from objects five feet apart, I mean, that is not sunlight. It's impossible, which means it's electrical light, which means they're on Earth. And then you have deductive reasoning. You have the fact that no technology has ever not been able to be repeated 50 years later in the history of the world. And I would add part two to that. You also have the fact that they're claiming that something is 1,000 times more proficient than they, you know, can go today. There's not actually, I would add a part C, ever been a flying machine in the history of aviation that took off the ground on the first attempt, not a single time. Never happened. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not a single time for a brand new aircraft, spacecraft. Nothing ever got off the ground, not even the biplane of the Wright brothers, you know, that didn't get off. So. Going to the moon is at least a thousand times more complicated than a 747 rocket, which was made with 10 years, you know, newer technology. It was made in the 70s. And it took 168 engine tests to lift that fuselage off the ground because they couldn't find an engine that could do it. 168 attempts. So not only do we not have ever in the history of aviation, a flight working on the first attempt, we have the most complicated one, a thousand times more complicated than the 747 that did work on the first attempt. Not only has it never happened, it's the most complicated one happened on the first attempt, you know. And then finally, the fourth reason proof is an eyewitness testimony from a guy who was there and confessed it on his deathbed and gave us the list of 15 names, the name of the base, the dates it was filmed and the code name for the project. So you have four to six, you know, rock solid proofs. And it, you just have a TV picture controlled by the federal government. And you just have to take their word that it's on the moon or wherever they say it is. Right, right. And I like that you talk about the star issue, because you make the point that if they had allowed people to see the stars, which clearly you should be able to, we would have so many astronomers pointing out discrepancies. Well, where's this constellation? Look at this angle. And again, it's like, well, let's just take it out so that nobody can use that as a, a way to catch us in a lie. And then we have the astronauts at the post-flight press conference, and they're asked about stars. 
And one guy says, we were never able to see stars. I don't recall what stars we could see. And then another one says, I don't remember seeing any. You don't remember seeing stars from the moon? Pretty strange, pretty strange. And the, the fake moon rocks, I just wanted to say, I can't remember which country it was, but we gave fake, we gave moon rocks out and one country tested them and it was just petrified wood. So clearly we've given, the US government has given moon rocks away that aren't real and, you know, the list goes on. But here's a question that comes up a lot in my conversations about this. So let's say, yes, the moon landing as it was shown, is just a Hollywood soundstage simulation. But what about going to the moon with secret technology they didn't want to reveal? The Roswell crash was in 1947. That's a lot of years of reverse engineering, if you believe any of that. Now we have researchers talking about a secret space program existing because they don't want to reveal technology that would disrupt the energy and transportation monopolies of oil and gas. What are your thoughts on the idea that there actually have been advancements in space travel behind closed doors and maybe even men on the moon using technology that they just weren't going to disclose? So that's why they made all this fake footage to say, yeah, we got there, but we can't really show you how we did. Well, that's a psyop. The government doesn't care why you believe they have the capability to go to the moon, only that you do. So if it takes aliens and the astronauts communing with them with secret crews and the radiation ruined the good film or whatever, you know, you can believe that. They would love for people to believe that. It doesn't matter why you believe it as long as you do. So this whole alien thing to mislead the intellectual community that can see the obviousness that these were shot in a TV studio, it's to misdirect them. The fact is they shot it in a TV studio because they couldn't do it. And there's no actual proof of Roswell or anything else. Those could be deceptions of some kind also. We don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, what we do know is that they faked going to the moon. And if you were really had the capability to go, you wouldn't fake it. And there are certain limits to things. I mean, no one has done cold fusion yet. And even though you can go faster than the sound barrier in a commercial aircraft, there's only been one in the last 50 years and it crashed because that's pushing the limits of what you can do. That's why we, we haven't improved really the jet airplane except the little fuel efficiency in 50 years. So I think there are limits to it and you know, it's, mm-hmm. they just simply faked it because they couldn't go. And I don't believe in aliens. I think that's a whole deception too. I mean, after all Edgar Mitchell who spent his life, saying he went to the moon when he didn't spend his life saying aliens are real, (laughs) you know, and they really want us to believe in aliens. Last time I was out of town at a hotel, HBO had like 10 movies. Three of them were about aliens from outer space. Now, if three of the films were about what a great president we have, or three of the films out of 10 were about how terrible of a president we have, you would think someone's trying to alter your opinion, right? It would be pretty obvious. Three added to one third of every movie at random was about, at least at that time, Aliens from Outer Space, which, you know, is probably a deception seeing how the guy who said he walked on the moon says aliens are real. There's a great book out, you can link to it, called The Privileged Planet, which can prove mathematically that actually there should be life nowhere in the universe. And there's a great TED talk on this as well, that we are it. Hmm. And that actually can be proven mathematically and through deductive reasoning 
And so mathematically for everything to line up the way that it is here, it'd be like statistically winning the Powerball lottery 20 times in a row, which just can't happen. <laughs> Therefore, it's intelligent design. And even a new program, I thought it was a one-time thing, but apparently they made a series out of something called Ancient Aliens. Of course. And they admit the science because about, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago, they did something called the EVE Project. They took DNA from every nationality they could. They traced it backwards in time. And they came to an absolutely scientifically proven conclusion, which is all humans on planet Earth came from one woman. Biologically a fact, which happens to be what the Bible says. Now, they say rather than God, because how can a woman just appear out of nowhere? Somebody or some entity put it there, put her there, right? Mm -hmm. And... So they say aliens did it. <laughs> it's kind of interesting. And that's why I couldn't believe the thing is a series for three or four years, because I would ask, you know, in the third grade, oh, excuse me, sir, uh, if we're made by aliens, who made the aliens? Fair question. You know, and the idea that a flower and a bee can, you know, invent each other, knowing about the other, something like that. I don't know. The privileged planet goes into this. And so if... Aliens are actually fallen angels. Now we're talking. Then they would lie. They could come up with technology too. Physical craft that could fly out of the ocean and you know hover in the air. Maybe, maybe that's where the technology came from. Because the top two UFO researchers, one Frenchman, one American, studied for decades, came to the exact same conclusion independently, which is number one. UFOs are real, and number two, they're not from outer space, they're from Earth. And then they both added, we think they're demonic. Yes. Now, yes. so an alien could tell Eisenhower, right, who's really a fallen angel, yeah, I come from some galaxy far, far away, which can never be proven or disproven, right? Mm -hmm. If they say I'm a fallen angel, then that would put the fear of God into them, you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. And they're known as being liars, right? Who's the father of lies? Now, Ezekiel 13, I think, says that Lucifer, the leading fallen angel, wants to ascend and be like God. Now, if they're saying aliens made mankind and aliens are really fallen angels and the fallen angel leader is Lucifer, what they're really saying is that Lucifer made mankind instead of God. Interesting. That's what they're actually saying. <laughs> Man, you know, sometimes... Knowingly or unknowingly, you know what I mean? Right, right. You know, sometimes in these interviews, I don't like to get too biblical or religious, <laughs> but honestly, honestly, I do find the idea that aliens are repackaged demons to be super interesting. And some say that the physical realm is the devil's playground, and it certainly seems like that today. And those kind of angles I am intrigued by. And just going back to the Apollo missions, one of my big head scratchers is why do this six times? If you get away with it once, why have five more faked missions and five more opportunities to get busted? Well, unless you want to invoke that 666. <laughs> I met two people who knew from military NASA type of people who knew the moon landings were fake before I did who tried to convince me, you know, they're fake. And I looked into it, and they were my sources in the film, which I was producing under the theory 
they might have faith going to the moon, not knowing I would find concrete evidence of the fact. He said, it's just money. I mean, didn't Halliburton or somebody charge $40 for a plastic ice cube tray? Just one, not even a set. In Iraq during the war over there. Hmm. Yeah. So what you do is you fill it up with water and you set it outside at night and it freezes. And uh, if not, you have to use a $12,000 freezer that they also sell. But any case, <laughs> he would. <laughs> apparently they're milking the thing for every dollar that they can, just like the mafia has a fried chicken place and it's really running gambling out of it. The government does the same thing. Now, the rank and file of the people, high percentage probably in the 90s of rank and file people in the federal, state, and local governments are honest people. The problem is this presidential appointing system. When the FBI director, Justice Department director, EPA director should be nominated from within, voted on from the inside, because they know who's honest and they know who's not, and they're 100% qualified. Mm -hmm. They've been there all those years, right? This idea of, you know, because people are told in the FBI, you will not investigate this. Don't do it if you want to keep your job. Right. So in terms of the money, so the United States spent $25.8 billion on the Apollo missions between 1960 and 1973, which is like $200 billion today. It's a lot of money by 1960 standards or today. And now I know you're not a flat earther, at least I don't, I think you're not. I'm definitely not. But what I like about flat earth channels on YouTube is that they are constantly hyper analyzing other footage that comes from NASA and they find some incredible evidence that makes you think NASA never stopped faking this kind of stuff. There's one piece of footage from even a, a SpaceX launch where you can see a mouse on the rocket engine and they say it's a piece of frozen oxygen, but it looks pretty clearly like a mouse crawling around on there. And they have a lot of other great examples of green screen usage, examples of astronauts that definitely seem to be on wires rather than floating in zero gravity. What are your thoughts on NASA's credibility overall or in more recent years? Are they just faking this stuff and taking the money or did they only lie about the Apollo missions? Well, the term wicked originates from a candle wick. And if you look at one closely, they're generally, even though they look like they're one strand, they're actually two, two woven together, the truth with the lies. So they're harder to discern because if everything the government said was a lie all the time, then we would just believe the opposite. However, they intermingle. And so I did study the footage of the Elon Musk rocket mouse. and. I studied it as a filmmaker and for several minutes, you know, maybe half an hour or something and came to the conclusion it is not a mouse. It's ice crystals or something like that that just looks like it. All right. However, it doesn't mean they're not faking other stuff. I've seen, you know, alleged space station footage that seems to be fake to me more than one time. But that doesn't mean the Earth is flat. Right, right. Okay? It doesn't have anything to do with it. The Earth could be a triangle, and it's about government corruption. Exactly. What about what about the Tesla car in space? Because that doesn't add up to me for several reasons. Why would they allow a giant 
one-ton car to even go up there when it could hit other satellites or it could fall back to Earth. Seems like a very risky proposition. And it also didn't look real to me. And how come the glass didn't break when it was shot up there? I don't know. A lot of questions, but it just seemed like a marketing gimmick. It almost seemed like Elon trolling NASA for saying like, hey, I can fake some stuff too. I don't know. That's one angle that I find compelling, but that was just another thing that didn't look right. I'm no professional, but it didn't look right. Yeah, I didn't study that one. There are people, friends who think it's fake. I just don't have time to go into it. And that, you know, half of what they do is fake, half is real, probably. Um, So it doesn't mean they don't have a space station. It doesn't mean the Earth is flat. They're just cheating like they always have done and continue to do. And so it doesn't mean they can't go to space or anything like that. The Mars probes, the ones from the 70s and even the ones now, there's a lot of things about those that look fake. The whole, you know, face on Mars pyramid, they could have easily concocted that and leaked it out to the UFO community because they want people to believe in UFOs. These people fake the moon landing. You're going to trust them? They said this is a man standing on the moon when he was here on Earth. So if they leak out, you know, pyramids, and they do look like pyramids, and there's three of them, and, you know, it looks man-made to me, but that doesn't mean that they're not fake pictures. Even the zoom in on the Roswell thing could be fake, for all we know. We just don't know. Mm -hmm. These people are shrewder than we are. And I played a really good poker player one time and just outwitted me all the time. (laughs) Terrible. (laughs) Just take it all with a grain of salt, basically. He he knew all of my buttons quickly. (laughs) Right, right. And one other thing I wanted to make sure we fit into the first hour was you had mentioned that the CIA had murdered people involved with this. And I think you're referring to the Apollo 1 fire. And I wanted to have you talk to us about this little saga and what happened there, because I don't think many people are aware of that story, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah, that's the second to the last chapter, I believe, in the book. And it's called NASA's Greatest Fear. You know, sometimes I'm asked, and it's a pretty interesting question, what difference does it make whether they fake the moon landing or not? And that's seemingly a valid point. It's just a counterfeit, at least initially, just like, you know, a fake painting or fake $100 bill. If they killed no one, then I would agree with them completely. It's kind of one of many lies in a row. Problem is they did kill people. And it's not my opinion, it's the opinion of the dead people's relatives. And they go into great detail about how their husband and father was murdered by the Central Intelligence Agency specifically. A dead man says to his wife the day before he burned alive in a, quote, accident, that for some strange reason the CIA is all over the launch pad at NASA for the first time ever. I wonder what that is all about when the next day the guy's dead. You know, so faking the moon mission without killing anybody, yeah, one of many, whatever. The problem is they killed their government employees to keep it a secret. Gus Grissom, we're talking about the Apollo 1 crew that would have been the first crew to walk on the moon, was the most beloved astronaut of the public and the press. He was going to be the first man to walk on the moon. 
and he was highly critical. He hung a lemon the size of a grapefruit on top of the rocket and invited in the media to take pictures of it without permission, calling the thing a lemon. Mm -hmm. The top of it, a lemon, a piece of junk. (laughs) And before the guy dies in a fire, which I believe they killed two other people along with him to make it look like they weren't singling him out. They can't even get an intercom, wired intercom, between two buildings to work. How are we going to go to the moon if we can't talk between two buildings, he says. They say, what? I can't hear you. Hmm. And so according to the dead man's widow, who I interviewed for hours and hours, and the dead man's son, who's the 747 pilot, they have forensic evidence that the CIA killed their husband and father, along with the two other guys. And... It's not the first time that has happened. The Fox no. special, which is superb, and it's probably on my YouTube channel somewhere under documentaries. There's all these other deaths I never even knew about, like six Apollo astronauts having fatal accidents within a three-year period of one another. You know, there were six homicides in one restaurant in three years, accidental accidents at the restaurant, you know, six people in three years. I think the homicide detectives would be all over that place. And then whistleblowers, congressional whistleblowers dying in accidents. You know, my source who was there when they filmed it, he already died. He was a deathbed confession, but his relative, the last time I talked to him, he was alive. He himself was dying of cancer. And confirming details, and he said they visited him and threatened to kill him if he talks to me again. Hmm. This was within about two years ago. So I called the FBI. I called the White House press secretary, a senator on the United States. I think they call an intelligence committee and, you know, let them know what was going on. I've had people back down before. I received death threats and I called up my senator, said, I'm a journalist, getting death threats. Can you help me out? And the problem was taken care of very quickly, (laughs) you know? So I think they probably backed down and the bad guys got to be careful because they're being followed themselves and being monitored. Their phone calls, their whereabouts and so forth and so on. The whole little scenario there where the guy lived, his house was broken into also and disabled security camera and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean, you know, the good guys weren't watching and recording what was going on and who specifically did it and what their names are and where they work, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, what can you do? I hope to put it behind me. You know, it's kind of scary just saying all this stuff and then go into more detail in the book about my espionage adventures. Yes. But, you know, I've known for a while they were fake. And then when you hear from somebody, I was there, I, I witnessed it. It's like a cold glass of water in the face all over again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, chills you to the bone to know it's true. Yes. And so along those lines, obviously, you don't want to reveal who gave you the deathbed confession or what base they worked at and what the code name of the project was. And you have this list of 15 names of personnel that had access 
I've heard you talk about that a little bit. Of course, there's big names on there that you've said before, like Lyndon Johnson and uh, Warner Von Braun, to be expected. But you say that the list did not contain the photographic or film industry professionals. Well, another big speculation is that Stanley Kubrick helped. And you did drop a little Eyes Wide Shut reference at the beginning, so I had to loop it back around to that. What do you think about that rumor? Obviously, you had to have talented people, to some degree talented, involved in this fakery. Are there any big names from Hollywood that people would know? Do you think Kubrick was involved? Well, there were two, apparently, entrances to the military base where it was filmed. And my guy gave me, you know, the front door, you could say, entrance that went through security checkpoints. Other people were probably already there or had done their work and left or who knows what. So these were eyewitnesses. For whatever reason, they wanted these 15 people there, one of which was Johnson. Buzz Aldrin was there. Neil Armstrong was there. And interestingly, Michael Collins was not there. They did not want him having a mental image of it. And that's one of the mistakes in that segment you mentioned before. You could even play a clip of it in editing. Did you remember seeing any stars? And Neil Armstrong says, I don't recall. And then Buzz flinches. And Michael Collins, trying to help out, says, I don't don't remember seeing any. Remember, that's what we're supposed to say. Mm -hmm. The fact is, Michael Collins went there. (laughs) Oops. And back then, the only record of this was a transcript that the press would get so in the transcript it says i don't remember seeing any as a remark coming from buzz aldrin not michael collins because michael collins misspoke and what a coincidence lightning struck twice in the very same place not only did he misspeak he wasn't there a typographical error occurred and they attributed that remark and the only error in the transcript that I know of to Buzz Aldrin to cover the fact that Michael Collins misspoke. (laughs) Otherwise, what difference would it make if they really went to the moon and he was just, you know, camaraderie, you know, oops, you know, whatever. Right. And some of these people on the list I'd never heard of. I had to look them up and some I still don't know who they are. And One was like a science fiction writer by the name of Emmenager. He's still alive, actually. And to get the rest, you can go to sabrell.com and get Moon Man. You'll get the name of the base, the dates it was filmed, the code name for the project, and these 15 people is all mentioned in the book and given to me by the chief of security of that military base on his deathbed. And there's somebody else who knew of Emmenager. And he mentioned to me that in a parent separate publication of Emmenager, maybe a biographical work, he mentions being at Cannon Air Force Base, I think, during that time. Oops, and I mentioned the name of the base. But, there you go. Oh, well, he <laughs> can edit that out or allow it. But basically, it's he, out there. Uh, in case you want to edit it out, and he basically mentions in his book that he was at that particular military base on those particular dates for a, quote, classified reason. So it's interesting. And then the website for this military base used to boast President Johnson visited us and you know, such and such a time. And when the research was started to confirm this, they took it down off the website. 
And according to a person who researched Lyndon Johnson's itinerary for those particular dates given in the book, they're not accounted for. Never says where he was during that time. He was actually only there one of three days of filming, but. Hmm. Well, so what do you think about the Kubrick question, though? You know, there's people out there that are saying. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, if I were if I were them and faking the moon missions, I'd want to have excellent quality. Now, you could hire the media director of the Pentagon and get good security and amateur results. Or you would have to invest in the short-term benefit of convincing people, which is what they had to have done, what I would do, and worry about security later. And what a coincidence, Stanley Kubrick is shooting a film about going to the moon. (laughs) (laughs) And to this day, it still might be possibly the best science fiction film ever made still to this day including real i mean some matting for outer space spacecraft and stuff but like fake zero gravity and everything it's pretty good so that's who i would have hired and there's a film about kubrick's alleged connection and they point out like in the shining the red rum boy had apollo 11 hand knitted shirt on yep. and there's all these references moon references throughout the movie yep and it seems i mean if one quarter of it is true then stanley kubrick is the one who did it and that's who i would have chosen anyway it's kind of a side note i don't talk about it actually in the book because i wanted to stay on track right but that's who i would have hired <laughs> and he probably he probably shot the first one and then they took it from there after that Mm-hmm. I like the narrative that those researchers lay out, the exact clues you're bringing up, and then he gets brought into the dark underbelly of the whole cabal system. He sees what happens at these mansion parties. He makes eyes wide shut. He reveals too much, and he's dead before the movie comes out, and it has a re-edit. It all seems nice and tidy to me. I'm interested in that that provocative narrative. Well, there's another little note. He insisted contractually that his last film, Eyes Wide Shut, which is an interesting title, that it open on a particular day. He insisted. He wanted it to open July 16th, 1999. And he had them agree to it, and then he died before the date, which happens to be the 30th anniversary of the launch to the moon. Wow. Didn't know that. So... (laughs) I like it. I like it. Yeah. Man, so the last thing I want to say to kind of bring all this back to the the moon issue, which is obviously the main topic at hand, is you have talked about showing this halfway to the moon footage, this absolute proof, to many TV executives. And I believe it was an NBC executive who said, I believe you, this clearly does prove it, but I'm not going to show this because I don't want to be responsible for the civil war that would be caused by showing this on the air. Well, what do you think would actually happen if the American government admitted they faked the Apollo missions? Because I think it would just be one big nationwide shoulder shrug, to be honest, at this point. I just don't know if no, it would make an impact. No, that, you know, I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. Sure. And here's why. The moon landing fraud probably killed fewer people than any other 
government fraud. I mean, 200 witnesses apparently were killed to cover up Kennedy, 200. And maybe 15 people were killed keeping the moon landing fraud a secret. However, people prayed for them and they cried and they waved their flag and they held ticker tape parades for them and they gave them medals of honor for lying. I think the emotional burn from that will be severe. And I think it would cause kind of a silence, not a shrugging of a shoulder, a dead silence. And it would wake us up. It would be a beautiful and marvelous thing if it happened. It would help transform the world and our country. Fair enough. Well, I do hope the truth is revealed in many, many ways, and I do hope that people wise up and it has an effect, and I will just keep hoping for that, and we'll see what happens. But Yeah, we can pray for the truth to come out, and it probably won't come out. I think a comet or asteroid or something like that's heading our way, and by the time that gets here, the public's not going to care about whether we went to the moon or not. They're going to be asking where's water going to come from. Right. Well... I guess we'll deal with that when it comes, but this has been awesome, man. You do know this moon material inside and out. I really appreciate your dedication. The book is a nice addition to all the other work you've done on this. And before we call it in, I guess I would ask, what's next for you? Well, I want to do a feature film. I'm trying to produce a feature film, my first one, called Silence in Heaven. And it's a secular film with kind of a spiritual sci-fi type of fantasy kind of thing going on and trying to get that off the ground. That would be a good one. It's already written some of its cast, working on raising the money and going through the casting and so forth. So that's my current project. Oh, and the game, you know, the game that was just released on Apple phone and Android and will soon be, God willing, Mac desktop, Windows desktop and Steam. And Steam. And it'll be cross-platform. You can play from your iPhone to someone else's Android phone. You can play from Mac to PC, Mac to Android phone in any combination when it's officially out. It's on two platforms now, both phone formats. And you can download it. Sabrell.com. Just scroll down to the bottom. Keep clicking on the game seven because it's a seven by seven board with seven pieces each that have to move seven spaces every turn. I got the idea from the book of Revelation, all the sevens in there. So that's about to be released. The book is done. Then hopefully it'll just be the film. Awesome. Well, that game sounds interesting. Cross-platform is key, not always easy to achieve. So kudos to you on that. And remind the people where they can get the book, watch the films, and keep tabs on all the things you got going on. Yes, the website, sabrell.com, but also you have a YouTube channel by the same name and anything else they should know. Yeah, it's all it's all through Sabrell.com. So all of that's available, including all the book links, the way to buy a book, print, Kindle, or audio. I did the reading of the audio book. You can get an autographed copy. You can watch the links for free. And you can play the game, download the free game also. Awesome. Well, I do appreciate someone who has a website as their central hub because we need to get back to that and get away from all these corporate third parties getting between people and their audiences. But yeah, so it's just my last name.com, Sabrell, 
S is in Sam, I, B is in boy, R, E, L, sabrell.com, and you can find everything there. Awesome. And I'll link it in the show notes, of course, as well. But it's been a blast. Thanks for taking the time and doing what you do. Keep fighting the good fight out there, man. Thank you, Greg. Take care. Yes, the power of Christ compels you, people. Bart Sabrell, the moon man himself. He knows the deal better than almost anybody. And it was a pleasure to speak to him personally. The further we get away from these events, the more obvious it is that they didn't happen, right? Just the technological trajectory alone makes no sense. I posted some meme on Instagram the other day that highlighted just how basic the computing power was. I mean, we're talking the days of desk-sized calculators and not much further along than vacuum tube computers. And I looked it up so you don't have to, but the Ferranti Mark I is considered the first commercial vacuum tube computer from 1951, and the first mass-produced computer was the IBM 650 in 1953. Well, not exactly the same years, but we're a lot closer to that than we were to a smartphone. Let's just say it that way. But it's a fun subject to revisit. It's nice to go over it again with such an impactful guest from this space. No pun intended. You know I like to let guests talk without interruption, and I'm totally open to spiritual angles to many things, but you also know one of my big pet peeves is going out of one's way to proselytize when it doesn't really have a place. I'm probably closer to being a rogue counterculture Christian than any previous time, which isn't really saying much, but it's the reciting of Bible quotes that gets a little bit under my skin a lot more than the general philosophy itself. So I let it go a couple times, and then in the Plus show, we kind of had it out. It is what it is. I like Bart. I respect his work on the moon landing and his bravery, really. I enjoyed his book as well, and some of the consequences of being the moon guy are pretty scary, actually. And I know from Astronauts Gone Wild that Bart is actually way more comfortable with confrontation than I am, so it probably feels like a bigger deal to me anyway. Funny that he did actually drop the name of the base. It's one of the details he tends to like to keep in the book, but hey, I didn't say it, and now you know. But I'm happy with the show today. I like to remind myself of the laundry list of things that don't stack up to scrutiny. The fake moon rocks, the deleted data, the awkward interviews. And I like revisiting the lives of the astronauts post-Apollo and the things they've said that are quite inconsistent with even each other. And if we can get more people on our page with what feels like a very obvious deception, I know a lot of people don't want to believe it, but let's face it, you know, then I think we could open the door to a wider acknowledgement of media and government coordination and coercion and simulated events. Clearly, it still goes on. I would say it's a lot more sophisticated now, but even still, it's pretty sloppy if you know what you're looking for. But I do try to walk the tightrope between fun, interesting, and unexpected, and then the big stories that we do need to cover, but don't need to go back to week after week like a lot of other shows might. So I try to keep it balanced and diverse, and this was a nice detour from beating the same old drum, which we will be beating next episode a little bit. But we got to cover the spread. And big thanks to Bart. Check out Sabrell.com for the whole Bart Sabrell shebang total package. And higher side news, 
I'm really just doing what I do. Not a lot to report. We got the Austin event. You know about that. June 25th with the Tasmanian Devil himself, Gordon White, and myself meeting our members. It's going to be a good time. I should also say I'm considering reviving the monthly newsletter, largely just a lifeline in case we have problems or if I need to communicate small things like YouTube deplatformings or something, because we just don't have a great communication system. There's a lot of you guys out there, and I'm just one guy, and I need a clear and consistent way to get messages to you guys that are small because I just end up responding to people one by one. And even if we had just a newsletter that would go out that says, hey, yes, THC is banned from Spotify again, at least when you guys see those messages and Reddit threads, you could help me out and say, hey, he said in the newsletter, Spotify is gone for good. And that would just help me out with general communication. I get really stressed thinking about losing that connection if I really did face the wrath of the big machine. So it's just a thought I've been having. But to make that newsletter good would require a fair amount of work, so who knows? I mean, let's say this. The newsletter sign-up form is at the very bottom of the THC website. If you have any interest in me putting that back together, you know, some thoughts on the news of the month, a preview of an upcoming guest, and really that's all it needs to be unless we have an emergency situation, well, then sign up. And I'll just assess the response and see if it seems like a thing you guys care about or not. If the response is not great, no worries. I just won't do it. <laughs> it's not like I sell or share emails with anyone. And that's clearly a major breach of trust and content creator taboo. But if you would like to see that happen, throw your name in the hat. And if not, no worries. I see a lot of my colleagues being very active, doing a lot of impressive things to round out the total package of what they do. And I know I really just do the show and keep it pretty simple. And sometimes I struggle with if I should be doing some of these other things. Because in my own mind, as a fan of certain shows, I don't really need anything but the show itself. I just don't know if I'm the exception or the rule. So I'm throwing that out there. But let's also scope out the meetup calendar for the next few events. May 20th, just a couple days from now, we have the Birds of a Feather event in Louisville. Or it says, actually, it's the Louisville THC group, but the event is happening in Jeffersonville, Indiana, at Common House. May 22nd, we have the LA THC meetup. It's actually going down in Pasadena at the Pasadena City Hall. I think they're just meeting there and walking around, hanging out, enjoying the nice weather. And then May 28th, we have the Portland Non-Crazies Let Us Chill event in Portland, Oregon at Fire on the Mountain. And that's really it for May. So only three more for the month of May. Kind of light. I hope more people want to use this resource and build stronger local networks. It is there for you. It's free. People have been telling me that they have really enjoyed the events that they have gone to, so give it a shot. But if you only heard the first hour free show today, the full two-hour interview got into several other things, like talking about those details and discrepancies from the astronauts gone wild interviews, Bart's kidnapping and drugging story, how Apollo astronauts have profited from the lie, 
Is the Van Allen radiation belt an ancient biblical quarantine? Why don't Russia and China expose NASA lies? And if the Apollo missions are the biggest lie, what other lies make up Bart's top five? We talked about Mount Ararat and Noah's Ark, and we kind of argued about religion. So, yay. Big thanks to all the plus people that do get the full two-hour interviews and help me keep this thing going. Everyone else, you got a free seven-day trial available right now to try it out and see if it's worth it to you, thehiresidechats.com. Give it a go. But I guess I'm getting out of here. I've done my part. Your move, Apollo faithfuls, moon mission misinformers, and not-so-honest NASA shills. Your fucking move. You know the plan has always been to hack your brain. MK Ultra's trying to drive you insane. They'll explode your heart if they think that's what it takes. You think I'm answering the phone? Well, I ain't. You gotta keep the curtains drawn. Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home. Well, you're not. You should tape the mail slot. And baby, if I seem withdrawn, let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked. Maybe you should know that. The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan, it's what the world's become They want a pat down and a swap Don't you see what's going on? Well now you know You're better keeping on your own Cause you can see the masters lie too much Oh baby, you can only trust yourself and if you think the system's out of touch It is and you can only trust yourself I hope you know the elite aren't your friends They'll suck out everything from you in the end And if for some reason you think I might be wrong I wonder where you got that opinion from you gotta keep the curtains strong Cause you don't want anyone thinking you're at home Well, you're not You should tape the mail slot And baby, if I seem withdrawn Let me say it's cause I just don't wanna go and get whacked Maybe you should know that The trauma affects you like it does everyone It's just the game plan It's what the world's become Won't believe all of the stunts that they'll pull 
another show complete remember as much as you enjoyed this which is just the free first hour i hope you'll become a plus member to hear the full two-hour interviews you also can engage with other plus members in the comments and the forums and you'll find your answer to one of the most common questions i get which is where can i find those cover songs that you use at the end of the show well they are free downloads for plus members too and without Plus members, I can't hire the occasional musician to bring these odd cover song ideas to fruition. Plus members are how I'm able to do what I do without ads and without the big machine being on my back. We can fit so much more into a two-hour interview, and I do my best to make it worth your time and money. The conversation only gets deeper, weirder, and more controversial in that private hour. How could it not the way things are going? But the best way to sign up is at thehiresidechats.com, where new first-time subscribers always get a free seven-day trial because I'm just that confident. There's no PayPal on the website, but if you need to use PayPal, then sign up through Patreon and you get all the same episodes. Our website is a credit or debit system, but you can also scope out the other options like a few various cryptos, cash or check, mail to the P.O. Box. And I'll even barter with most people if you have your own business and produce something nice that my wife or kid or taste buds might like. But the architects of consensus reality have made it clear that these themes and topics aren't really welcome on the main stage. And so this is how we secure a little counterculture corner for ourselves, and I hope you'll join Plus because that is the only way it works. Besides, you can cancel anytime right on your profile page. The most common concern I hear is people just being unsure if THC Plus will work with their podcast app, and the answer is probably yes. But if not, we have several high-level app recommendations for whatever phone you use, and the website is made for mobile too. We're trained to tip a waitress for bringing us a sandwich, but that tip doesn't give you access to a second sandwich. Really, I'm not asking for any more than that, and I think I offer a better service. Come get your second serving of tasty conspiracy goodness in exchange for that small token of your appreciation. Beyond that, let it also be known that we have grown and survived as long as we have by word of mouth. I don't care so much about social media likes or follows, but tell the right people about THC. And not just listeners, but the high-level figures who are better suited to sit down with me than most other hosts. And if you can help me with any of these things, I can work to bring you better shows, which is just a win-win for both of us. Informative, entertaining, and action-packed. It also never hurts to thank a guest you liked if you have the time either. We want them to know people are listening, so they're willing to come back down the road too. Thank you for spending some time with me, and cheers to a better tomorrow.